Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. Hello, everybody. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder at Generations Church, and with me today is my friend, my pastor, and now my fellow high school teacher, Jeff Luddington. How are you doing today, <laughs> Jeff? I am well. I am well. You're right, man. This is new for me. I, uh, If you're listening, I have agreed to teach uh, where Rob teaches at the local Christian school, and I'm going to be teaching all the seniors uh, their required Bible course called Reformed Doctrine. And so, uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to engaging with 17-year-olds and 18-year-olds and uh, talking about the Bible and their faith. Um, really, really excited about that. So, yeah, man, thank you. That's, <laughs> glad you brought that up. That's really cool. Yeah, hopefully when we talk well, in a few weeks, you will uh, still be as excited as you are now. Yeah, well, we shall see. So if you're listening right now to this podcast, uh, Rob and I are I don't know what a thousand miles apart. No, we're, we're in, uh, we're both at home, which is, uh, you know, what are we 20 miles apart or something like that. And, uh, we're doing this on zoom still. We're not getting together and recording in the same room, which honestly, it's been so long since I've done that. I forgot what that was like. Um, but yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be teaching school online. That's a, uh, that's a different thing. So it's going to be a weird thing. Uh, yeah, so pray for us, everybody. <laughs> yes, please. Yes. Please pray for us. Um, I have an easy job. Seniors, I mean, they, they come with their own strengths and weaknesses, but uh, Rob has freshman Bible. And so that ought to be entertaining. In fact, to be a fly on the wall in your Old Testament class would be fun. I just got to say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I'm doing New Testament. So you're doing, sophomores, you're doing sophomores, but I do have man, my, my right. math classes are all freshmen. So that's right. It'll be weird to right. uh, get try to get to know kids and build some relationships yeah. while we're online. So the challenge. That's right. You did. You used to teach the freshman Old Testament. Yes, I did. That's like right. for yeah, 11 years. Wow. Yeah. Anyhow, so yeah, freshman anything I can't imagine doing, <laughs> honestly. Um, I, I kind of have a standing rule, unless you're almost enough of an adult to where we can fight. I, I really don't know how to <laughs> teach you. So uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I, I And I don't think I could do seniors. Um, I would love to do Old Testament or New Testament or even worldview, but uh, not. I don't know that I could do freshman. I'm not that patient. So God bless you, man. You do it in math and you've done it in Bible. Now you're doing sophomore. So yeah. All right. Heidelberg Catechism. We're in this guilt, grace, and gratitude podcast. If you're unfamiliar, if you're jumping on today for uh, some reason, you saw this and you clicked on it. Guilt, grace, and gratitude are the summaries of the sections in this uh, in this confession or this catechism that we've been working through. And if you hear the word catechism and you, and you kind of like, wow, is this like Catholic or something? It's not. Uh, a catechism is a way of learning um, by memorizing questions and answers. And uh, it's, it is not unlike maybe in a math class where you memorize certain things that are true so that when you need them, you know, three times three is nine. You just memorize that so you don't have to count on your fingers all the time. So that's kind of like this. This is so you don't have to count on your fingers. You know what is true. You know what God has said to us. And so we're in the we're in the home stretch. Uh, today is 40, Lord's Day 42. There will be 10 more episodes after this. So uh, we, are, we are nearing the back end. And we're talking about the Ten Commandments right now. So um, 
without any further ado, uh, we got two questions on the Eighth Commandment, and I'm going to ask the questions. Rob's going to answer them. Uh, this is how, you know, like a father would son or a discipler to a disciple would ask the questions and get the answers, and then we're just going to unpack them in a modern-day setting. So, uh, question and answer 110 and 111 are, what does God forbid in the Eighth Commandment? God forbids not only outright theft and robbery, punishable by law, but in God's sight, theft also includes all scheming and swindling in order to get our neighbor's goods for ourselves, whether by force or means that appear legitimate, such as inaccurate measurements of weight, size, or volume, fraudulent merchandising, counterfeit money, excessive interest, or any other means forbidden by God. In addition, God forbids all greed and pointless squandering of his gifts. That's good. In case you guys are listening and you haven't heard this before, clearly we're in the command that you shall not steal, right? And so we're asking what questions about that. So that is what is God forbid. Now, question 111, uh, or our second question today, if you're just jumping in, is what does God require of you in this commandment? That I do whatever I can for my neighbor's good, that I treat others as I would like them to treat me, and that I work faithfully so that I may share with those in need. So here's what we've got in the, in the command uh, that God gives uh, the people uh, in the Ten Commandments. The Eighth Commandment is you shall not steal, right? Don't steal. And so our questions today are what does God forbid and then what does God require? So there's a, here's what you don't do, and here's what you're supposed to do. And so, Rob, at first blush, you hear these things, you know, what what stands out? Like, what's kind of an, an idea that leaps off the page for you? For me, I, th I think, you know, originally it was the idea that I have, a, I have a right, that everybody has a right to own things, to have their own property, um, that I don't have a right to take from other people. Um, but for me, the really eye-opening thing on this was when, I was told one time, I can't remember who it was that, that was teaching this, um, but that we need to view ourselves as stewards, that what we have, uh, we shouldn't see it as us owning it, but that it belongs to God. And hmm. what others have is what God has given them. And so I think for me, this, this commandment becomes a heart issue of whether or not I am content or discontent uh, with what God has given me and whether I'm content or discontent with what God has given others. I think we use that idea, that, that, that thought as a way to justify, well, they have more than I do, or my boss won't miss this because, you know, they're, they're, they own a multi-million dollar company. Um, sure. We're able to justify stealing. We're able to justify cheating on taxes. We're able to justify all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, if we just say, well, you know, I don't, I think it's unfair that they have something that I don't, um, we're able to justify being stingy. I remember, a. Uh, a pastor at a church where I had been for a long time, got up to give a sermon and um, started talking about a trip he had taken. He and his wife had gone out to dinner and they asked the waitress at this restaurant if, if they could pray for her. And, and, you know, they could tell right away she was a little bit put off by that. And, and they asked her and she said, well, I don't really like Christians. And turned out yeah. that the reason she didn't like Christians as a waitress was that big groups of Christians, there was a big group that would come in on Sunday after church and, she would work really hard and the other wait staff would work really hard and they, they would get stiffed on the tip most of the time. And she said, yeah. Christians are just, are just stingy. Um, he started off his sermon with that and then kind of pulled one of those Perry Mason moments where he looked at the congregation and said, you are that group, right. that, that group is from our church. Wow. Um, 
but yeah, that idea that that sometimes we are so focused on our possessions, this is ours, and I don't want to give it up, where we could be using it to to really um, teach people about the the graciousness um, of God and and you know just how how much He's given us and how much we can we can give away to others. Yeah, there's a um, I guess that I think it's the tenth commandment is that. Uh, to not covet is that tenth? Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah. yeah. So, well, t- I'll say something similar when we get there about this too. But um, it really is the stealing piece and the coveting piece are a lot alike in the sense that what we're saying is what God has given us or what God has blessed us with isn't enough. Um, and so, um, like you said, and so then we um, we find ways to justify or rationalize things that we do that are wrong and. Uh, you know, my boss owns a multi-million dollar company, so he wants these pens or this, you know, box of paper clips, you know, that I'm going to take home because I need them. And uh, clearly he's got plenty of money. Uh, and so there's, you know, we justify um, the um, uh, that last, that fourth line in the first question um, it says um, that things that le- appear legitimate, uh, that, um, man, cheating on taxes I, I, is one of them. Those things that it's one of those things where everybody does this. Oh, they all write off a meal that was really a personal meal, but we're going to say it was a business expense kind of thing and uh, things that appear legitimate. I love that line because it really, it really makes us search our heart. Um, it really asks us to be honest from the inside out, right? God and it says in uh, question one ten, God forbids all greed and pointless squandering of His gifts. So it goes not only beyond, hey, don't steal, right? I mean, like that's the kind of bare minimum. Try not to, uh, you know, put anything in your pocket at the store that doesn't belong to you, you haven't paid for. But um, but God forbids all greed and pointless squandering of his gifts. God forbids things that even appear limit, right? Um, and then there's, as we flip over, man, to the positive attributes, right? That not only do you not steal or not cheat or not do things that look one way and then actually are another. Um, but then, hey, you're, you're called to do the right things, right? Like you, you, you've been bringing that a lot up in, in the catechism. I think that's something new that I've, I've viewed it differently since you and I have been talking about it. What do you not do? And then what are you called to do? And really, we're called to do more. So let's go back to your Christians. And by the way, this is a pet peeve of mine. Christians in uh, food establishments where there's tipping and that they, they, they just stiff them on the tip or they give them really small tips or they leave them a track. That's my worst one. If you leave a track, I don't care who you are. I don't care how you justify this. If you leave a track instead of money as your tip, I, I think God's talking to you this commandment here, man, that you are cheating them of their, of their tip. Uh, if you're going to leave a track, man, leave a 30% tip and then leave a track, <laughs> pay them well and let them read it. But, oh my gosh, don't do that. Anyhow. So, um, I'm going to get off my, my little hobby <laughs> horse here, but oh, that drives me crazy. Um, man, uh, Ephesians four says this, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. So that he may have something to share with everyone in need. So here's a new Testament playing out of the of the eighth commandment don't steal but rather get a job do honest work with your hands so that you may have something to share with anyone in need so it moves from don't steal 
get off your butt and get a job. And then when you have a job and you're making an income, be ready to share, right? There's the positive. Go not only get a job and don't steal, but hey, now share with others. Be generous, right? And that's the attribute that we're looking at when we talk about people tipping. Be generous. Share with others in need, right? First Thessalonians 4, uh, verse 11 and 12 says, you know, aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs. But this is the part I want to say. And to work with your own hands as we've instructed you. So they may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent upon no one. In Thessalonica, Paul's writing to the church there, and they have this habit of not working. Like they're, they're, uh, in, in Thessalonica, a lot of them were worried about kind of the, is the end coming, right? And that's, I know, and that's a modern day conversation on social media anyhow with coronavirus, but um, they were really kind of Oh, everything's going to come to an end, right? You know, anytime, any minute we're being persecuted. So they just stopped working. They weren't contributing. And the call of scripture from creation, creation, even before sin, all the way forward is that humanity would work with their hands, that humanity would do something. It doesn't mean that if you work with your mind now or, or whatever else, that that's different, that you would, but you would put in an honest day's work, right? And eventually you'll grow old and you will, you know, you, the listener, you, Rob, you, me, whatever, going to grow old and retire. And that's okay. We've worked with our hands. We save up for retirement. We do that. But there was this call to the church in Thessalonica. Hey, listen, you need to get some jobs. Like you need to get off your butt and work, do something with your own hands. So he says, listen, you need to aspire to live quietly, mind your own affairs, work with your own hands as we've instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent upon no one. Part of this is your witness, right? That you work hard as a Christian and contribute to society and are not dependent. Man, that's part of being a Christian. You go get a job, go contribute. Now, of course, I'm not talking to seven-year-olds and I'm not talking to people with disabilities that can't work. I'm, t- you know, all things being equal, if you're healthy and, you know, a, you know, a young man that's healthy or a, a husband is healthy or, you know, a, a woman is healthy and wants to work or whatever, you know. Get a job, man. Contribute. Make sure you have enough. Don't don't look for easy ways to achieve other things like theft or like taking, being dependent upon other people. Man, but work. Contribute. I think that's a part of this, and I think that's a really important piece uh, that we can look at. There is a command to go earn something. Yeah, and I, th- I think we look back, too, to I, I remember teaching Old Testament and talking to my kids about work was actually part of of God's blessing to Adam and Eve and to say, work the yeah. garden, right? It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a, a curse. It was something that we should enjoy and we should see it as a way to serve God. Um, moving on just a little bit, we're talking about modern themes to, to these um, yeah. catechism questions and answers. And being an electioneer, we're starting to hear again the whole idea of capitalism versus socialism. And, you know, I've seen people look at this commandment and say, well, obviously we're allowed to have private property and, and, so that's, you know, that's part of it. And we're allowed to, to take what we have and try to make it more. Um, and then you get people saying, well, Jesus was a, a socialist. Jesus, um, in the early church, they shared everything yeah. they had and they made sure there was no poor. Um, so how would you address that, just given a, a biblical framework on this? Um, you know, it's, which side do you think is is got the better argument? Yeah, that's great. Um, so uh, let me let me hedge this answer. Uh, with a couple things. One, um, I uh, this is not about politics. This is a great economic question, right? What does the Bible say about socialism versus capitalism? And that could fill you know weeks of podcasting, right? Um, 
but there is some simple, some simple, we can put some wins on the board and answer that question. Right. Um, you know, like I said, would this, would this commandment be needed, right? If there wasn't property ownership and, and what people don't understand is, um, politics throw terms around, you know, this person's a racist or this person's a socialist. They throw labels around pretty, pretty easily. And that doesn't mean that that person is actually a socialist or a racist. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but, uh, people throw names around a lot, um, right now. Socialism is, uh, really governed by a few things that, um, there's no self-ownership of property is one of the main themes. There's three tenets to socialism. I can't think of all three off the top of my head. One of them is no property ownership. So like everything is owned by the state or by the government. And um, there is a theory in socialism that if you uh, if you level the playing field where everybody kind of gets the same amount, that it's fair. And um, um, I, the second thing I would kind of throw out there before I really answer this is um, I've said those words uh, before I was a Christian. Interesting. Before I was a Christian, I said, because I heard it said, too, that Jesus was the ultimate socialist, blah, blah, blah. And then I became a Christian and found out, yeah, he actually doesn't say anything like that. And so it is a very ignorant thing to say about Jesus. Uh, the Bible also says, if you don't work, you don't eat. You know, I mean, like there's a there's a uh, thing there. Modern day socialism is different. Modern day socialism is um, almost, you know, so the big, you know, the big name or person um, Bernie Sanders is a democratic socialist and, and, you know, you can debate what that means or doesn't mean for everybody, but it's the idea that we will guarantee things for everyone, right? That we will guarantee a specific income. That we will guarantee healthcare, that we will guarantee a home, that we will guarantee things. And so what it does is it really does move away from, if you work hard, you, you will have enough, Right. And that's kind of the concept that God created us to work, that God then said, if you work, you, you will you will get what you need. Um, and that doesn't mean that there won't be ca- you know, catastrophic things, um, that you won't get sick, that you won't get coronavirus or that you won't get you know, run over by a car on the freeway or something. Right. It doesn't mean it'll always work out the same way for everyone. And then Jesus also teaches some parables like there's a you know, there's the guy who has 10 talents. There's a guy who has five talents, the guy who has one talent. Right. And. Sometimes in life, man, there's just some 10 talent people and everything they seem to do is 10 talent good, you know, and other people are five talent good. And then some of us are just one talent good. You know, it's not equal. It's not everybody's not the same. Uh, So I think socialism is based on the premise that we would all have the same amount and we'd all have enough. But as soon as you get leadership or government or authority or politics involved in that, it's not going to ever work. Like socialism has never worked anywhere, right? Uh, socialized medicine has not worked really anywhere. And people champion, oh, what about Canada or Germany or whatever? Well, they also, when they have big problems, they come here because we have specialists. Because specialists are people that have worked really hard and make a bunch of money because they're really good at what they do. And if you're going to have some intricate surgery, you want somebody really good at what they're going to do, no matter what the cost is, right? Like nobody wants discounted laser eye surgery, right? (laughs) Because uh, discount, that's not where I want to save my money, you know? Uh, So anyhow, Um, but uh, as we talk about working, that God calls us to work, God calls us to do, um, modern day socialism is we want to be guaranteed free education, free health care, free this, free that, guaranteed income. It's more of a sense of we want to be given stuff, not earn stuff. And the Bible calls us 
not to earn our salvation, but in life to work hard and reap what you sow. That's a common theme throughout Scripture. Work hard, receive a lot. Proverbs are filled with things that if you work hard, the outcome will be you gain a lot. That doesn't. It's a truism. It's not a promise, right? It means that if 100 people work really hard, 95 of them are going to get a lot out of it. Five people won't. I mean, like tragedy will happen or some people will not be as gifted as the others. Um, capitalism has its flaws in greed, and that's relevant here, too. So I don't want to be all one sided. Um, but the first question and, and answer here talk about um, about having, uh, ex, you know, uh, greed um, in addition, God forbids all greed and pointless squandering of gifts. And so capitalism can be, I work so hard, I make so much, and I do it at the cost of you, right? I run over you. I I get you to do my work, but I pay you junk for it. And I make money, and so much that we oppress other people. So socialism is, modern day, is not wanting to work for what you get. And capitalism, taken too far, is wanting to earn off everybody else, almost oppressing everyone else. Think credit card companies. You know, that's capitalism gone wrong. I'm going to loan you money at an exorbitant amount, right? And then I'm going to make money off of your burden because I've exploited your need or your lack of discipline. And then socialism is the other side. I'm going to exploit the fact that you don't want to work and I'm going to promise everybody free stuff. And that's where we've drifted today. If we could all just get back to a place of biblical uh, work for your food. If you don't work, you don't eat, says the Bible, right? If And then if you work hard and you save, eventually when you grow old, you'll have enough to retire and care for the generations after you. I think that would be our pursuit. Does that does that help? Yeah, and I think the important answer? part, too, is, is when you work, you have enough for yourself, but you also have enough for others. And I think yes. we... We tend to look at people and others outside of ourselves and say, man, they have more than they need. Why aren't they giving more? We should take what they have and give it to someone else. I think it starts with each of us looking at this yeah. and saying, how do I use the talents God has given me, earn a living, but also then how do I share not just my possessions, um, but the talents God has given me? How do I use my time yeah. to serve others? How do I use my talents to serve others? Well, let me say one more thing. I know we're going to we're kind of in a wrap up space of time, um, but uh, that's, I think, an important thing that kind of fits our capitalism, socialism kind of conversation. And uh, it's you know, we haven't championed socialism. We haven't championed capitalism. Uh, clearly, we're probably more leaning towards the capitalism side where we work, we work and we earn. But there's flaws on both sides. Um, scripturally, though, a lot of people and this is this is probably a big criticism I have of politics today is there are a lot of politicians out there quoting Bible verses that are ripping them out of the context that they're written in and using them for the benefit. And this is on both sides. Democrats are doing it. Republicans are doing it. Whatever. But what I would say is Scripture doesn't call us to take from. And you, you just said this. Take from those who have a lot. Right. Well, one, people that have a lot, that's a judgment call. Like if I think, hey, Rob Samuelson has enough money. So I'm going to take everything over this. Well, that might feel like enough for me. It may not feel like enough for you. I might not know your circumstances. You may have special circumstances that require more. You might be caring for people. I don't know about whatever, right? And the Bible doesn't call us to take from people, take from the rich and give to the poor. That's Robin Hood, not Scripture, right? Um, 
But what the Bible does call us to is those of us that have, that we are generous and give. So now we come back to the tip. Most servers, waitresses, waiters, servers, right? Most of those people aren't making a large hourly amount. Maybe it's minimum wage. Maybe it's a little bit more. But the really benefit or blessing of being a server is tips, right? That you get additional money, right? That's how they really make their money. And that's true of, you know, if you're a bartender or anything, right? Anything in the service industry. And what it is, is if I am in a place where I can afford to go out and buy a meal and sit down with my wife and my wife and I, like on Friday mornings, we like to go to IHOP. That's our, that's our kind of like, it's almost like a date. And then we go out and we hang out. We have great servers and I love to be generous and tip them. Here's the concept. And this is a biblical concept. I have enough. God has blessed me. I have enough to where I don't have to eat oatmeal at home. I can go out and buy IHOP, right? And uh, granted, IHOP is not, you know, this high-end, high-class meal. But I can go out and do that. And because I have enough and because I have that bling, I am generous when I tip. In fact, uh, man, I don't know if she'll ever listen to this, but our favorite server at IHOP is Jeannie. And uh, we love Jeannie. And we we now have Jeannie's phone number. Jeannie checks in on Lisa when she you know, didn't hear from us. And, uh, and Jeannie now attends our services online here and there. And uh, man, if I was that Christian or that church, you know, those people that you were talking about in the beginning of this, that was stingy and not caring for her because she would know, she'd know that we pray before our meal and we've gotten to know each other. Hey, Jeff, what do you do for a living? That always comes out. Hey, I'm a pastor, (laughs) right? Now I'll be able to say high school teacher and get out of it, but no, I'm a pastor, right? And then my responses after that, my Christianity has judged on my responses after that. And so I'm generous with her, generous with her and she's become our friend, right? I have enough to go out and buy a meal. Therefore I need to be generous, I have enough in life. I need to be generous to those in need. That's a Christian attribute. Socialism, capitalism aside, generosity should drive us. Not taking from and not hoarding. Not taking from on the capitalism side where you 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 know you extract everything you can from culture, but rather you're generous. Not socialism where you take from the rich and level the playing field somehow, but that we're generous. Generosity should be our economic struggle, not Ace, you know, not capitalism or socialism. Not, I'm, and I'm for capitalism. Don't get me wrong. There's garner, there's greed. There's things that can corrupt it, and we need to be generous. That's the antidote to greed. I think we we got to where we needed to get. Right? Do not steal was the beginning. Um, yeah. Be generous is the end. Be generous with what you have. Mm-hmm. Be generous with your talents. Um, bless others. I think for me in this time right now, we know people are struggling because of restaurants being shut down, and yeah. And so when I go to get takeout now. Um, to bring home, I will I will try to give a generous tip, knowing that they haven't been yeah. receiving those on a regular basis. Um, if you have, That's and I know great, some man. people are struggling, but if you have, if God is blessing you during this time, um, share that. Be generous. Help those who are struggling. You never know who you're going to reach with the gospel just through being generous and loving others. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. Um, I would tell you just a reminder. Jeff mentioned it earlier. We are doing these on Zoom, so sometimes you get little glitches in, in sound. I've heard a few during this. So if you're hearing that, we apologize for that. But uh, yeah, we're, we're trying to do this as safely as we can and, and uh, still be a blessing to everybody. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for listening to the Generations Church podcast. Just a reminder, every Tuesday, I'm not sure how we're going to get this done with both being teachers now, but uh, <laughs> we, will, we will find a few minutes here or there uh, to get together distantly. Um, every Tuesday, we're going to release a new guilt, grace, and gratitude episode and, and only 10 left. So Tune in, get your friends to tune in, give us a good review, and uh, 
yeah, make it all the way to the end with us. It'll, it'll be quite a celebration. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.com.